Hello, everyone. Welcome to 15 Minutes, a podcast about fame, episode 49. I'm Jamie Berger. My guest today is a graduate school and since then, Pioneer Valley dear friend, Mira Bartok. I'm going to read you Mira's official biography because one of the things she's learned in recent years that's a pitfall of becoming any kind of public figure is that people will, even if accidentally, often misrepresent you or your history. And I've seen how it's happened to her. So, Mira Bartok is the author and illustrator of numerous books for children and adults, including The Memory Palace, a New York Times bestselling memoir and winner of the 2011 National Book Critics Circle Award for Autobiography, and The Wonderling, the first in a middle-grade series published by Candlewick Press. A major motion picture of The Wonderling, directed by Stephen Daldry, director of The Crown, Billy Elliot, and The Reader, is currently in development. Mira is also a spokesperson for Transcultural Exchange, an international arts organization that seeks to foster greater understanding between world cultures through artistic collaboration. She lives in western Massachusetts with her musician husband, Doug Plavin, and their little dog, Sadie. I was lucky enough to meet Sadie when I went to visit Mira and record our conversation in the barn studio behind her house where she does her writing and drawing. It was great to hear her talk about her overnight success story that's been 40 plus years in the making. We talk a good bit about the Memory Palace and the Wonderling without giving you much uh, background. So here's a little bit. The Memory Palace was a memoir of Mira's life with a schizophrenic mother. O Magazine called it a heartbreaking expression of devotion to a mother she loved but had to abandon in order to survive. Six years later, just this fall, Mira is out with The Wonderling, which <laughs> takes quite a different turn, and it is described on her website as an extraordinary debut novel with its deft nod to Dickensian heroes and rogues. It tells the story of Arthur, a shy, fox-like foundling with only one ear and a desperate desire to belong as he seeks his identity. It's a, a story of an escape from an orphanage and journey to the big city. And while it's called a middle grade novel, I highly recommend it uh, either in book or audio form for middle graders of all ages. The Wonderling is a great escape in a year when we all need and deserve escape when and where we can find it. We recorded in early October. Instead of starting in some obvious way, what you just said, and I am recording now, uh, so we'll see. I'll set levels as I ask you this. What you just mentioned to me is something that would be really great to start with in terms of my topic. Okay. I never heard you on Terry Gross. You didn't? No. I've been on. Well, um, I I was on for the for for the. For yeah, the, the weird calls? thing was the weird thing was um, I was scheduled to be on Terry Gross. We filmed it. We filmed it. We recorded <laughs> it. I think the week before the the. the episode was going to come on um it was supposed to come out the day my the memory palace uh was coming out which was one 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 huh. and then gabby giffords gets shot by a huh. mentally ill man and my book was about you know my mother who was mentally ill and and uh it so then they pushed the the um they pushed the recording uh -huh. Till the next day, uh -huh. but it was my very first 
radio show I ever did. Yeah, it changed the whole nature. What happened with Gabby Giffords changed the whole nature of the, you know, of the show because yeah. she had not just talked about, we not, didn't just talk about mental illness and a couple violent episodes with my mother, but we talked about the creative process and all this stuff. I mean, it was great talking to her. Yeah. She, I mean, she's amazing. Um, but it, uh, that episode kind of, it's parts of it, I felt uh, perpetuated the yeah. st stigma of stereotype of mentally ill people. Yeah. I, I guess I, 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 I hit on that because in, in our, in other worlds, being on whatever today's equivalent, you know, on Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy mm -hmm. Fallon or late night TV is, is the, the pinnacle of, of public attention in the media. Whereas in the literary world, I would say Terry Gross is what Terry everybody's Gross like, is, yeah. people joke about my Terry Gross yes. moment, what they, you know. So how long did you talk? Um... I know they're oh gosh, edited. we talked a we talked a long time, and then we talked a little after that, and then we actually I made I, I made a print for her, and she you know wrote back and thanked me, and um, but you know it is the pinnacle thing, you know, like my husband Doug Doug Plavin, um, we used to have this joke like he he would be like you're totally getting on Terry Gross and your book comes out. And I'm like, I'm so not going to get on Terry Gross. And so we'd have this little thing, like pretend we're talking on the phone and, hey, Terry, what are you wearing? Oh, no. and, <laughs> and then it happened and we just like died laughing. Like, Are there really? recordings of those I can use? No, I wish. But <laughs> we just, that was just the most bizarre thing. Yeah. But I had an amazing publicist and she she was going to leave um, she was taking another job and she told me later that her entire goal in life was to get me on Terry Gross before she left because we, we had such a, when I found out she was leaving, we both were sobbing yeah. because um, publicists are really, if you get a good one, they're really, really important and, yeah. um, and they just become your best friend. And I've got a great one now at Candlewood Press named Tracy Miracle. She's really great. Her name is Tracy Miracle. Her real name is Tracy Miracle, yes. She works, I don't know when she stops working. Mm -hmm. She's constantly working on, working for me and for the book. Well, so it seems like she's doing an awfully good job. And the book itself did an amazing, it's so gorgeous. I know. The Wonderling. Yeah, The Wonderling. Moving on to, to yeah, yeah. Um, unless you have any other, any other thoughts or moments about, about Terry that, um, for those of us out there with, with, well, I do know. fantasies <laughs> when she when she when she when <clears throat> excuse me when uh, when we started talking, she asked me to read something. Um, she said before we begin recording, um, I'm going to ask you to read something, and so um, so I got they got they actually start started recording recording me, and I was like flipping loudly through the pages, and she said. I have to stop. I have to play mother here. <laughs> you have to That's stop great. that. So um, we had a couple little moments like that because I was a complete, you know, yeah. novice. But um, it was actually because she's so easy to talk to. It was, it was, it was actually very comfortable. It was, you know, my uncomfortable um, interviews were like people who had these. There was one woman. And I think in Michigan, she'd, she, she, she called me up and said, this is, this is the interview. It was like, um, father left when you were four. She's from New York. <laughs> father left when you were four. Mom, mother mentally ill. Family broken up. Divorced. Discuss. Like, literally, she talked like that. <laughs> That's awesome. Like, what do you do with that? And, you know, so talking to Terry Gross was like, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Did did you before we before we do get to the Wonderling? I would think if you wrote a book like that, uh, like uh, like Memory Pops, it was so intimate and powerful and dark that you might have ended up with some uh, friends. New new did did people relate rather intensely, and did you end up with some people who? Stopped me? Not exactly <laughs> stopped, but thought they were so much like you that they had to talk to you about oh, it more God. and become your... Yeah, it was, was exhausting. That's my paranoia from writing a memoir, yeah. Yes. Um, I mean, there was the... the After every book signing, and I did a reading, there would be a line of people who would come up to me and sob. And 
they all had a story. And then, then I would get tons of emails. I wrote everyone back. Um, and I still get, I still get, I still get letters and emails, not as many, but I get at least, I get at least a couple a week. Yeah. Um, and, and I, they do, and some are weird, you know, like, I feel like I know you, I feel like we could be best friends. I live in California, but can you come and stay with me for a while? It was like some yeah. things like kind of borderline on Stephen King's, you know, yeah. um, mercy, <laughs> you know, so, um, it, it was exhausting. Um, I'm, you know, I'm glad I touched the lives of a lot of people, but you know, um, it, uh, would I do that again? Absolutely not. Right. I, I mean, I, I'm glad I wrote the book. I, you know, my, my mother kept getting in the way of my fiction. I'd be writing like an essay about beaver, beavers in the wild or something. And my mother would appear. I mean, it was yeah. that kind of thing. So now, so once I did that, I was like, yeah, I'm off, you know, I'm off and running. I'm, I'm writing speculative fiction stories. I'm writing um, epic fantasy for middle grade, you know, um, but there definitely was a push, push for me to write another nonfiction yeah. book. Yeah. Definitely. But in the end I tried and I just couldn't do it. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I, I, that kind of purging is great. Um, I mean, if I did write another, you know, memoir like thing, it would be really funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it would be like, it would be like a his like a history of all the embarrassing things I ever did. I mean, it would be something like that. That'd be really of fun. which there are many. I could we I'm sure we could all we could all write that book. Yeah. Um before I only thought of this on the way here, uh, because of the 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 movie uh, mm. that's gonna be made of the wondering I I'm guessing that mem the memory palace was optioned. The memory palace was almost Actually, it was it was almost optioned several times, uh -huh. and there was a lot of interest in, or not a lot. There was some interest mm -hmm. in it from some yeah. big people and some you know people with like two dollars. But and actually, in the <laughs> end, I mean, that we almost it, we you know there was an option um, with these two. I call them the twelve-year-old producers. They were really young, uh -huh. but I really liked the like we love the same kinds of things. And they were talking about like they knew the one of the writers for uh, *Beasts of Southern Wild*. And I mm -hmm. love that movie. Uh, me too. And um, so they were going to tap her for um, not Ben Zeitlin. He's the actual creator and wrote also co-wrote it. But it was the other person I forget her name, but. Um, we had a contract, but it never got, it just, they, we never heard from them again. So, which is fine. Actually, I had really mixed feelings about it being a movie. Mm -hmm, yeah. I was kind of hoping it wouldn't. <laughs> I wanted the money. I wanted it to be optioned right. every year, but never made. <laughs> right. That's what I was talking. I don't know if you listened to the Scott McCloud episode, but that's yes, what we, yeah, yeah. yeah the idea of the that. dream is to have it optioned over and over because yeah. the movie's just going to disappoint. Actually, that um, happened to a friend of mine. She got about $90,000 a year. For about seven years in a row, for an uh, for a uh, uh, book that never got up, that see, never got nine times seven. <laughs> Is that great, dude? Yeah. That's like wow, I live on that. Yeah. Um, but okay, let's move on to this whirlwind of a year you're having. Yeah, it's crazy. First of all, I've I, I've heard you tell about the 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 creation of the of the book, but but. Um, but the people listening to this probably haven't. So I have to remember to ask them to tell how, you know, how it, it came about from, from the drawing. Yeah. And also, also I realized that, you know, I was working, like I said, I was working on a nonfiction book mm -hmm. and, um, you know, my age, agent had told me like, all you really need are, you know, she knew I was strapped for money. And she said, if you just have two good chapters and a, and a brief synopsis, Simon and Chief, she's going to want to do this book. And I'm I, a success. Yeah, and my and my um I the editor over there really uh I got a new editor and she she was really interested and she really wanted me to do another book. And so um I'm very I've been fascinated by the history of wonder my entire life since I started like looking into natural history and the his and the age of this discovery mm -hmm. and you know, I'm kind of a natural history geek and so i was writing a is it working i'm just checking my levels it's gone Keep, okay sorry continue spinning too much? no 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 it's just whether i had it up too high. like cough <laughs> um anyway um 
I was working on this book about the history of wonder. I'm talking with comedian Mira Bartok. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and you know, and I, I, I felt the pressure to interweave all this personal stuff in there. And I wrote a 400 page book and it was just a bunch of crap. It was just, I mean, they're interesting ideas. I love the idea, mm -hmm. but wherever there was personal, I was like forcing this personal story when I really wanted to, to write about weird little things that fascinate me, you know, yeah. um, and uh, things that gave me a sense of wonder. And so I, I, meanwhile, I was writing, I'm, I'm always slowly working on a book of short stories that I never send out. I've only sent stories out a couple times because I kind of want to have the whole thing almost done. Yeah. I, I, I sent my agent a handful of stories. Um, I'd never sent her fiction before. And she, she left this great message. She said, I get it now. You've been trying to write about wonder. These are wonder. You need to just go, go for fiction. Like you need to just go whatever you do, do what you're passionate about. Forget trying to write a book just because you need money. Just right. figure it out. You'll figure it out. And at that point, um, I had already made this little sketch and um, of this little creature. And, um, and above it is written something like the Wonderling. I knew he was called the Wonderling. Uh -huh. I knew he was male. And it said a Dickensian tale about a one-eared creature who sets off on a quest to find out his destiny or something like that. And underneath it says... But I guess I don't have time to write it right now. You know, it's kind of sad little thing. And um, at that point, um, you know, I started writing it. Do you know what year that was? That was probably 2000. It might have been 2000. Oh, gosh, 2015. So this happened pretty quickly. 14. It's really. Oh, it happened really yeah. quickly. Mm -hmm. um, and so. I was like taking editing jobs, but then I would go back to the Wonderling, and and then I I showed the one I showed my what I was working on to my writing group and to Doug and a couple other people and my agent. They were like, "You've got to do this," mm -hmm. and then um, all these people came out of the woodwork and gave me money. I never asked for money oh. before, like like my friend Robert and his wife lent me ten thousand dollars. Doug cashed in his. He had a retirement uh -huh. fund of a like of like twelve thousand mm. dollars. We we don't do we yeah. do know we had no money we had no savings. Yeah. He cashed in. Jed Jed Berry you yeah. know gave me a bunch of money you know and he doesn't have a lot of money. Um, my friend Zoe gave me money. They all lent me yeah. money like pay me whenever you can. Just to go make do this yeah. make the book and so I had enough to to do this and so um, I worked on it for about six months. And then came up with the first 120 pages. I just sent it to my agent to see how it was going. She said, I think we should send this out as a partial. Mm -hmm. I think you can get a book deal. And so she did. And 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 then there was, suddenly there was interest. Now, children's book world, you know, people who are huge, are successful and have d had done millions of, you know, middle grade novels, mm -hmm. The most they usually get is like forty thousand for a, a novel, and that is stretched out over like three years. Mm -hmm. Okay, so so I was dismayed. I I had been out of the children's book world for a while, and I was kind of dismayed at how much money I was going to get, and I was really kind of feeling bad about it. Like, wow, even if I get a book deal, right? It's just I I don't know if I can I can live on that. Mm -hmm. Um. And my dream publisher was Candlewick Press. Wow. My dream publisher, they do the most beautifully designed books. They're worker-owned. They're awesome. They don't have the weird corporate thing. That, Where are they based? They're based in Somerville. Yeah, um, and then their, their sister yeah. company is Walker Books in UK and um, Australia. And um, so... Uh, you know, I, I got some offers. I talked to some editors, of, you know, a couple I, uh, editors I just loved. I mean, it was going to be a tough decision, but always in my mind, Candlewick was like looming large. Um, but the other editors were really incredible um, and they were really excited about the book. And um, and it was going to be originally a trilogy, but now it's going to be a duology. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that was a word, but it's, it is a duology. <laughs> And then my agent happened to be, uh, I think she, I think she was in LA unless these CAA creative artist agency reps were in her New York office. I'm not sure. I think I thought she was in LA, but I'm not sure they were sitting around at, uh, for a meeting about another author. Yeah. I mean, 
let me pause for one second to say that, okay, so you got a standard deal and now you're no. heading into the meeting well, about no. the movie? Oh, okay. I, we were going to go, the book was going to go to auction. <clears throat> All right, right, right. A I couple weeks that. from oh. then. Meaning, those who don't know, several publishers make offers and then, and then, and then, um, they can make a better offer. I think I see. What, best bid yeah. is a best bid is another kind of way of doing it where they just throw out their best bid and that's it. <clears throat> this was an auction. And, you know, my agent warned me it could you could get the high, you know, it could be really even in an auction. Of course, they're going to offer more than what they're offering now, but um, they're going to uh, they it might not be that much more because it's the children's book market. Mm -hmm. And um, so. My agent's sitting there. She she's had this meeting with somebody else with about another project. She's sitting there with her laptop's open. She's 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 talking to her colleague about my book auction. My manuscript is open. I mean, on her desk, on her laptop, and my drawing of my little guy, number thirteen, who's eventually yeah. becomes Arthur, is large on the screen and. Um, the two Michelles, I call them Team Michelle, Michelle um, Weiner and Michelle Crows, um, who kind of they run the division. I think I think this is their job. They run the division which turns books into movies. They happen to see my little guy. They were like, "What's that? Who's that?" And Jen Gates, my agent, said, told her the story. Uh -huh. They said, "Well, could we read the manuscript?" And so Jen Jen called me up and asked I go well yeah but nothing's gonna happen are you joking like yeah so they read it overnight this is on it this is I think it was like in August I'm really bad at time so it might have been in July they read it it was on a Wednesday they read it overnight the next day Jen calls me and says um are you sitting down yeah. and, and so of course I said oh my god who died because I'm a Jew <laughs> I just always think somebody's right. going to die. Like, right. I wish people would stop saying yeah. that. Goys always say that. A Jew knows never to say that. Um, because they expect good news. They expect, yeah, we are, we we are expecting expect the worst. News. Yeah, it's so. So I expect the worst. I, I'm, I'm so freaked out. And she said, she tells me that the, the two agents uh, from CAA are in love with this story. And they think it should be a movie. And they want to talk to me. And I said, well, okay, you know, um, I'm around the next few weeks. They can call me whatever at their, you know, at their convenience. And she said, no, they really want to talk to you. And and I said, well, I'm around. I'm around. You Just whenever. Getting, yeah. She said, no, they want to talk to you now. They're on the phone <laughs> oh, with me. Oh, I didn't right realize. Now. Oh, wow. So I go, okay. So I get on the phone and they're, and they, they are just the most awesome women in the world. I love them. <laughs> They are huge readers. This is the thing I've learned about Hollywood. There are secret, brilliant literary mm. readers. Like I just, I guess I had my assumptions about Hollywood. Yeah. So they are uh, in love with this book. They totally get it. And it's only a quarter of the book is done, mind you. And um, they are saying this would, this really should also be on the stage, like a Broadway musical or on the London stage, whatever they, they want to, what they want to do is they want to, everyone's going on my vacation in Hollywood on Monday. This was on a Thursday. They have a list of a list people, um, producers and directors and actors who are produced, who are also producers and directors who they, who are versed on stage and, and, mm -hmm. um, the, I mean, theater and in film. And they sent it to me for approval I had them add one 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 person on person one group of people on on the list and that was Leica. Um, they did Coraline and they did Box Trolls. I actually saw Box Trolls. They do stop action mm -hmm. animation and um, Box Trolls. I was like, that's actually the how I saw my my um, my book was in was in stop action animation. I always saw it as a film. Oh really? Yeah. In fact, when I was writing the book, I strapped a, uh, I had a video going and walked around with it going on like at the level of my creature just to see what he would see in the world. <laughs> so I always thought of it as a film and, and, um, and, and so the Leica ended up not going for it. Um, but 
that was on a Thursday. They got it that Thursday. By Monday, there was a bidding war in Hollywood between Universal, Fox, Ron Howard, Scott Rudin, who's like produced everything in the world, was called them up. Was like, I will, I will, I will wire her $150,000 and put it, I'll put it right in her pocket. I've got to have that right now. And like he was like really aggressive. And this is all before the book auction. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's crazy crazy timing. So then on Monday, and then there were these, I didn't know they were called, what are they called? Scouts? Snow, I call them snouts. Let's just go with Whatever. Snouts, yeah. so home snouts. These people who basically are sniffing around ah, well. for projects. And so I had this like Jedediah Barry and I um, have this project that we're slowly working on over time. Um, hopefully this winter we'll, we'll like carve out, um, you know, a couple, two or three weeks to work on it. It's called The Forgotten Island and it's a collaboration. It's very Jed and, and it's all by chance and uh-huh. weird. It's like a game. Yeah. Anyway, I had a little snippet of what we're working on my, on, on my website. And suddenly they're like producers calling, wanting to want to know if that has been bought. They want to buy the rights to that. I mean, it hasn't even been written yet. It's like weird opportunism, yeah. you know? So, so anyway, that Monday was crazy because, um, uh, the CAA, the team Michelle calls up and says, Okay, don't don't answer the phone. There are people there, you know, these snouts or scouts or whatever they are. They're going to try to reach you. They're going to try to find you. Okay, we're going to be negotiating with Fox all day. So, and Stephen Daldry loves this, you know, Stephen yes. Daldry, British director, absolutely loves love this loves this. Um, he wants to be involved and um, he wants to direct it and because um, he was on the list of A-list people because of his experience. You know, he comes from the London stage. So they... And so, and Fox has wanted to work with Stephen for ages. And, you know, it was like this incredible thing. So, you know, I'm not, I'm like watching, it's like that night I'm watching Breakfast at Tiffany's and, um, you know, my, whenever the Republican convention was on, you know, um, my agent was watching Republican convention on TV for jokes. And, you know, I'm watching, I don't have TV, so I'm watching a movie and um, the phone rang. I'm like, okay. You know, we we got up to here. Okay, blah, 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 blah. and then there would be there was this crazy back and forth thing, and then um it it became this real thing. But then I said, you know, I have a friend who I can't mention her actually now on because she actually has a clause where she's not allowed mm-hmm. to dis dis um what happened with the movie, the directors, etc. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she's a really famous person who whose book, which was hugely successful around the world, she said she made the most lucrative mistake in her life where she (laughs) sold the movie rights Uh and had a great director at first and a great script. And then then it um, all went south because the production company, uh, let's just say this was when Brad Pitt and Anjali, I mean, not before Anjali, Jen, Jen, oh, yeah. Jennifer was, Aniston, yeah. they had a production company and then they ended up splitting up and things changed. And, and anyway, her, her, the, the movie version was a load of crap. So I said, you know what? I really respect Stephen Daldry and I want him to do it. And so if he, if I don't want him be, to be replaced, like basically I was willing to give up the whole thing mm-hmm. if, if I wanted a confirmation. Mm-hmm. So we got a confirmation and he had his own thing. Like he would only work with working title films and in the UK, his people that he's used to working with. And so, um, so anyway, that's kind of, and so then suddenly I had this deal and now it took, they made this big deal all over the, um, you know, the internet, it got leaked to the Hollywood reporter, like there was seven figure deal and blah. The truth of the matter is I didn't get any money for a year later because my contract took a long time, mm-hmm. partially because of me, partially because of, um, of the, of music and the- theater rights that I want, you know, there are lyrics in the, mm-hmm. I wrote lyrics that are in, you know, in the book and, and I just, and I actually I've written little songs that go with it, just in case I ever do something with that. And and um, anyway, uh, I, I I held out for some things. I had a terrific terrific lawyer, Fred Fierst, who's around here, 
he was the ninja. He got famous kind of because of the Ninja oh. Turtles. Um, he does a lot of comics, people. He's just fantastic. Anyway, um, he was my lawyer. He still is my lawyer. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, I got, I finally got money the first third of them, but, but mm-hmm. the rest of the money doesn't come until they start shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so anyway, this is all before the auction. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to ramble. I get, oh, this is like, wonderful. So anyway, <laughs> the, then the auction happens. And my agent says, you know, before they, they're giving their bids, you should know that this is going to be this, um, that, that it was just bought. Not only was it bought, purchased by Fox, it's the first time in the history of Fox that two studios within Fox wanted, are collaborating on, because mm-hmm. they both want the film. So they are collaborating. They've never done this at Fox. And, and you know, Stephen Daldry, blah, blah, blah. And they're, you know, they opted for Broadway Musical 2 and a series of films of the, obviously, if the first one doesn't work out, right. nobody's, you know, it'll go right, right to DVD if we're right. lucky. But one but, is confirmed, yeah. So, so. Um, so anyway, uh, they they took that information. And, and um, meanwhile, uh, it took a, my dream publisher, it took so long to, to track, her down because she was in Cornwall um, and in a, in a town, staying in this little village in mm-hmm. Cornwall with no internet and, and no cell phone service. And, you know, I, I was feeling so much despair over this because right. it was like they, you know, but finally she got the manuscript on her phone in some other town or something. And she read it when, um, uh, you know, there's all this, there are, there are various Arthurian legend tropes throughout mm-hmm. it. And so mm-hmm. she is trapped. I don't know if you heard this part. She's trapped in her car with her kids um, in a horrible, horrible storm in front of uh, Tintagel Castle, the oh, ruins, of, yeah. which is the mythical birthplace of King Arthur. And she's reading the story aloud to her kids and uh, from her phone. And she's like, I have to have this. So she did get in the loop. And um, my agent told me, you know, just so you know, Candlewick doesn't have the kind of, you know, they don't have the kind of money that like... That's what I was just wondering. Like yeah. um, that Random House or these Harper Collins or all these other places mm-hmm. do. Um, they, you know, you should go into this knowing that. And, and, and you know, um, like you could get this insane offer. Yeah. Um, and they might only be able to offer like a fifth of that tops. And I said, and and my feeling all along was, I'm going to take whatever Candlewick gives me. I was going to say, I you just, get the choice I, based on and the offer. And I, she said, but if you want to go with the low, you know, their lowest bid, because that's going to make you happy, you have my blessing. And so, um, and so, um, I ended up, um, you know, talking to all these editors, and um, and then. I can't remember if this happened before. Oh yeah, I got then I got bids, and I had to choose. Well, Candlewick, Candlewick and Viking bid the highest. They bid really high. That's great. Somehow they got the money, and and it was just as high as I mean, or maybe slightly higher. They might have bid the highest, and and um, but you know, my agent was like, you know, just really. Just look at all the factors, mm-hmm. you know, and and because one of those companies is tied to Fox, mm-hmm. so there was the thought that that would make it more fluid, and just easier to deal with the movie part because they're used to making a lot of big movies. And yeah. Candlewick has they do make some, they have made some films or film connections, but not as many. So I went to uh, the Eric Carle Picture Book Museum. This has you know been talked about, and I went, I pulled out about thirty books from their shelves randomly did not look at the publisher's names. I just looked at the best design books and I laid them all on a, um, on a table. And, and then I turned, I just looked to see who did them. And I think 27 were candlelit. That's great. And they, and, and they were just so beautiful. I mean, they're that publisher, what they do, you know, I mean, I've been in, I've had my first book series was with Harper Collins and for kids and, and then, you know, Free Press, which was mm-hmm. Simon & Schuster. And, you know, it's cor- corporate publishers are very, very different. You know, they they send your the cover to Barnes & Noble 
Barnes and Noble reps all over the country mm-hmm. to see if they think that cover would sell. Right. You know, you're the, you might have an editor who's in love with a senior editor who's in love with your your work, but marketing can't market it. Yeah. They don't know how to market it. Candlebook will will take that thing that's weird, like the length of the book or the character that just doesn't is kind of strange or something odd about it, and they will bring it to marketing and say, okay, you have to figure out a way right. to market this. And we're going to take that unusual thing and highlight it. So anyway, that's kind of what happened. Um, it was just a strange, you know, series of events. Was your agent sending out book proposals with drawings? Yes. Okay, Because it was always a given from the beginning that it was going so, to be illustrated by you. Yeah, which is kind of unusual. Not a lot of middle grade uh, authors mm-hmm. illustrate their books. And so, yeah, I had... I think about a hundred pages, a handful of illustrations, and um, and I had a synopsis for three books, which then I re reworked into two. So, is it going to be stop action? No, What's it's it not. Be? It's going to be uh, live action oh with God. animation because they they really see it as an adult crossover. They told me they're thinking about um, possibly filming it in in Ireland and then the animation would maybe be done at Peter Jackson studio studio in New Zealand. So that would be awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. That's... But things, I mean, things change and I don't, you know, mm-hmm. it takes a while to make a movie. Yeah. You're involved. In, I'm in involved. The making, yeah. Is... I'm not doing this script, but I know that right. I've met this, you know, screenwriter, Mike yeah. Vukadon- uh-huh. Vukadonovich. He's fantastic. And yeah. I didn't want to read the first, I didn't, they didn't ask me to read the first draft and I didn't want to read the first draft. They did ask me for notes. So I gave them a lot of notes about, um, you know, kind of what, what to look for in book one, that clues that will be, are really important for Mm -hmm. book two, because um, there are, there are different little mysteries that need, you know, that will carry on like, you know, a couple minor characters that will become really huge in, in the second book. So any any casting fantasies? I assume it hasn't been cast, or you would have said something. At this. Well, um, what the first time I had dinner with the Fox execs, they asked me who who I didn't expect to be asked anything. I mean, really. In fact, my first conversation with studio heads was I just wanted them to know I was going to leave them all alone and they could do whatever they wanted because I just said I I actually come from making films because I used to do you know weird little experimental mm-hmm. art films and art school. And I said, it's, it's a different medium. And when people say it wasn't like the book and I'd say, well, cause it's a movie. Yeah. Like it's image driven and it's shorter and duh. Um, but they said, no, we really want you involved every step of the way. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so they asked my input the very first time we had dinner together and, um, and then they asked about certain people, like they said, what do, what do you think about, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch's squeezeweed? And I'm like, um. Twist my own. Yeah, what I, I, did, what I didn't say is how, how you know, we love him. Yeah. Doug and I love him. And we, our nickname, our affectionate nickname for him, I'm sure he has many. We call him Fingersniff Cumber, Cumbersnatch. But yes. anyway, <laughs> we, I'm definitely a Cumberbitch. Yeah, nice. Um, but, um. They mentioned a you know a handful of people and I, um, and when I was in a working title in UK, you know they asked me they asked we talked about a lot about music and composers but also about actors and they were asking me like who I thought would be a good Miss Carbuncle, and you know I mentioned a couple obvious people like Tilda Swinton and um, you know and I can't remember who else and mm-hmm. and. Um, Amelia Granger from Working Title had a very good point. She said, you know, she's done a lot of these kinds of roles. She's and the in the role is actually a twin role mm-hmm. because she's got a twin in the book. Um, and that uh, you know, it, she she might not be interested. But, you know, I started thinking about um I haven't actually talked about this with them yet, and I know I don't make this decision. They make this decision, but you know, when I saw the reader with Kate Winslet. Um, playing an older person and then I heard her do Matilda Raul Dahl's Matilda um I was like man she she would totally nail this she mm-hmm. would be great Gillian Anderson would be great too. <laughs> she's really good but um yeah. Kate Winslet almost did the audiobook 
She really wanted to do the audiobook. I think she would be great. She, you know, but you know, I have no say in it. Well, I mean, the audiobook sounds great. So yeah, oh God, Simon Vance is like he was my top yeah, choice yeah. if Kate Winslet yeah. schedule didn't work out, and he's just we're going to read together in L.A. I, I asked him to read with me. You so know. you're off on and off on tour with it. Yeah, every yeah. I mean I'm gone every week somewhere until mid December. Yeah. Have you been enjoying it? Um, do you I, enjoy those occasions? Um, well, uh, I I do with this book. I didn't enjoy it with the Memory Palace. Right. That's like, you know, and then there's always the anxiety, like, <sighs> well, actually, my book launch for the Memory Palace was at um, was at uh, the Odyssey. And the very first question I got during the Q&A was from a guy who um, who said, who hadn't read the book, and who said... Had not. Had not. Okay. And said... Um, I, I called him and he said, um, um, I like to just, I'd like to know just why you think it's okay for you to, to air, to hang up your dirty laundry in public. That was the first question. That was the very first question I ever got. Reading. And I said, have you read the book? And he said, no, but I said, well, you might want to read the book first before mm -hmm. you ask that kind of question next. <laughs> so I enjoyed the reading from this so much more, but I've only done... Yeah, I've there only are kids done. there, and there's so much joy as opposed to a oh yeah a harrowing dark. They're about the opposite of books in a way. Any any regular listeners will know that I can't leave my mom out of any episode. Pretty much, eight years later, it's like a Jewish thing. Uh, yeah, I guess. Um, but is, I often, with every triumph and tragedy in my life, I I I'm, I want to call my mom. She's been gone right. eight years. Yeah, and I know that you know. Do, do you think about her in terms of this? This success that's coming to you. That's a really that's a really good question. I I do. I think, you know, the when my when my my mom was, you know, homeless for the last 17 years of her life and she kept she was pretty much a genius savant and I mean I pianist. With pianist, but also I mean when I uncovered her storage unit um, her little storage room at U-Haul. I uncovered 17 years of diaries and sketchbooks. She really loved drawing and she wasn't that great at drawing, but she was, she would draw to kind of calm down the voices in her mind. And she would draw, she would write, try to remember the map of the world and see if you can identify the capital cities of each major um, country in three different languages. Go. And she'd time herself or, um, you know, just crazy things like that. So she kept a sketchbook a lot of sketchbooks, like I do. And um, on her deathbed, I said, Mom, do you, you know, when the mo like 1% of her was lucid and because of her schizophrenia. And and um, I said, do you, was there anything, is there anything that you regret in life? And she said, two things. I regret two things. And I go, oh, okay, that's easy. What are they? <laughs> one, one was she said, I never learned how to play the double bass. Okay, okay, that's fair enough. Um, you know, <laughs> and um, two, she said, I wish that I had been able to. I had the talent, um, to write and and draw at the same time. What does she say? Something like people who can combine words and images are to me are the are the most brilliant people in the world. And 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 uh, that's you know, I was so struck by that because I I and at that moment I was writing a you know, I was writing this book about my mom and there were pictures in it. And I said, I said, um, I'm writing a book with illustrations in it right now. And she said, she said, she, you know, she took my hand. She said, I know it's going to be really a huge success, honey. I've always believed in you. Wow. <laughs> so that was just, yeah. So aside from suddenly making a living and, and I, I, yeah, that's a big deal. How much you're the, there, you're going to be getting more attention in the next little while. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. How much, would be ideal and how much would be too much um right now life? is actually too much already uh -huh. uh, and and not that um not that people recognize me right um i mean they you know they do a locally right they recognize but you not, not on the upper west side <laughs> no no not at all um it's more that part of it is 
is there's a lot of opportunism that occurs um, with people. Um, and, and then a lot of people, um, you know, I mean, there's a really lovely side of it, but there's also the respect is great. And I know you've talked about this on your show before, um, like you really respect it for what you do. But then the other side is that, um, you know, it's, it's like right now, everybody knows like I'm on book tour and I'm just like, and also I live with a brain injury, so I get really exhausted and, and I have some, you know, cognitive issues and fatigue issues. And, and suddenly like everyone in the world thinks it's a great idea to send me their manuscript and send, or ask for blurbs or, or, you know, and, and like, I would never do that if I knew it was some of these like most busy time, but, um, or try to like, suddenly they wanted, you know, they think I have like a million, million dollars. And so they're going to ask me for, they want some big job, do some big job for me that I don't need mm -hmm. or, um, you know, or, uh, it, it's so I get really bombarded with that. And I, and I, I just have to have a better system of weeding through that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm suddenly everyone's long term, like long time, really close friend when it's somebody I haven't seen since high school, you know? So, you know, so there's, that's the downside of yeah. it. Um, it's not like I get recognized. It's more like, People crawl out of the woodwork yeah. and are your best friends. Yeah. And um, and you can't even be doing what you like, I'm sure, for your actual best friends. You know, right. I mean, I, basis. you know, yeah. I mean, that's why there are certain times that are really sacred to me. Like every summer for this one little moment, I get together with all my childhood friends from my girlfriends and my sister from, you know, we, we, we meet at this cottage and like, I've known a couple of these girls since I was four, we lost touch for a while, but we're all in, you know, I just, they knew me before they knew me as I was becoming a little human. So mm -hmm. like, there's this, that's really sacred time. Or, or when I, when I see my stepdaughters or, um, you know, or close, close friends, you know, like that's just precious time. I feel like time is so so precious right now and also i need to be working on book two yeah so i just kind of get bombarded yeah. and and um the other thing is like you know i'm a nice person and i like you know and i try to i try to um i'm a helpful person yeah. so it's made me less helpful i can't can barely help myself yeah. so that's kind of been hard you know i i, I felt that because when i i first started this and you were one of the people i emailed I could tell you were like, that sounds great. Ah! And, yeah. and so I just was like, I tried yeah. to make it really clear that really, someday. You were so great. Because I didn't know about this happening. I knew the Memory Palace yeah. and I had heard yeah. about a new book. But yeah. So, yeah, it's important. To, it's hard to, I think people need to have empathy for the famous if they're going to contact them and understand if they don't get the response they want. It's not necessarily because... I have a big thing in the podcast. So meet your heroes if you get a chance. Yeah. But keep your and expectations I, reasonable. <laughs> right. Like I, I had, I mean, that's the thing. Well, first of all, I don't think I'm, I'm famous or anything. And I I don't even want to think about that. But um, <laughs> but late because of the book and because of, the, um, you know, my amazing publisher, um, they've, they've created opportunities for me to like have dinner with to me like my my like my heroes uh -huh. and like I'm you know like at book expo you know I'm sitting there with like two of my favorite children's book authors and just like hanging out and then I find out they you know they read my memoir uh -huh. and like um and and like I'm going this weekend to Rhode Island for the child uh Providence there's a big children's book festival and you know, I'm, I'm, I'm having, going to have dinner two times with like Chris Van Alsberg and other people. And I'm like, you know, I've got all his books here, you know yeah. what I mean? Like really? And so, um, yeah. So I, I, my experience is that my heroes and I, one, I'll use one as an example. I've always loved the work of Sean Tan, Australian mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. author, illustrator. Um, I think he's a genius and he is the most humble person you've ever met. And we became, um, not close friends, but friends. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he's just, uh, 
my, it seems like the people I really look up to artistically all are pretty humble and they're kind of unassuming. And, um, you know, I know you've talked about, some people have talked about the gr greater desires to be invisible. And that's really, I've always wanted to disappear. In fact, um, not forever, but <laughs> my very first. You're going to get that way. Yeah, my yeah. very first book series, I did not want my name on the cover. Wow. And here's a fun, I'll tell you a little, can I tell you a little funny story? Tell me any story, okay. any heroes, anything you want. And, and if you start, if you, whenever, I'm, I I could do this for, I have no. Okay. <laughs> so I had this book series, more educational, but it was in, you know, mainstream bookstores and it was like a crossover. It was a, a book series for middle grade for, mm -hmm. um, um, about different cultures that were myths, myths, legends, uh, folk tales, um, history, you know, the projects you could do, stuff like that. And I didn't want my name on the cover. I wanted very small inside. Um, and, and, uh, and then one day I was at the Smithsonian museum in DC and I saw, this enormous display of my books. They had all like, whatever, 30 of them or something. You know, it was this huge display. It took over this, you know, and I was like, wow, that was so nice to see. Yeah. And so there was this woman there and she was like grabbing a bunch of them. And I was like, great, that's so great. So she, and and I had something to buy. So she was right in front of me at this, at the, at this cash, whatever, at the, yeah, whatever, register. Yeah. yeah. And I said, excuse me, I I never do this, but I was just wondering if you want me to sign those books for you. I'm the author. And she turns to me, she says, yeah, and I'm the Virgin Mary. <laughs> and I, I said, no, really. I love it. I really it. am. And, I, and, I, and so I, I was like, and I was feeling so, um, like, I think it's too invisible that day. Yeah. And so... I, I pulled out my license plate, my license plate, my yeah, license, yeah. my driver's license. I said, no, really, I am the, I'm the author. She goes, right. And, and so she just starts walking away with all these books. And then I just wanted to say, like, really, that, that's who I am. <laughs> it was so pathetic. That's the best story, though. <laughs> so pathetic. I mean, there are those moments when you do want to be recognized, but most of the time, I like to... Like when I used to do, when I used, I used to, in art school, I, I did spectacles and I did like, a mil, you know, like before things were computerized, mm -hmm. I did like, you know, 10 slide projectors mm -hmm. going on in a film and, you know, and, and I did performance art for a while too. Is this like, undergraduate? Yeah. Uh -huh. With graduate school too, with uh -huh. live birds and, you know, I uh -huh. trained birds. I mean, I did, I actually did a lot of performance art in wow. Chicago galleries and stuff. Um, but then I, as I did more of them. I, I, my thing I liked best was to sort of be in the sound booth and kind of coordinate the whole thing and do it, but be, be behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. And that's what I like. It's kind of a voyeuristic thing. Like I like watching yeah. people enjoy something I did and, and register the emotion, but I don't want to get up in front of them. Yeah. Like when I did, I did theater, I like to be in the kit, you know, mm. doing lights. Do, I like being behind the scenes. It just, um, you know, I, I guess in the Myers-Briggs test, Briggs test or whatever, I'm an INFP. So I'm like introverted, but I border on extroversion. Right. <laughs> so, and I'm E. Yeah. I, Big E. But I'm it. an extroverted introvert. So, <clears throat> uh -huh. so, um, you know, once I, once I feel comfortable and there are people I know, I'm obnoxious. <laughs> but before that, I won't chit chat. I, I just, I just don't talk to anyone. So yeah. it's kind of weird. Yeah. Anyway. So that was that was the story about being too invisible. Yeah, <laughs> I think you started to talk about a hero. Since I don't do memory, no. I can't help you. Right, there. you know, since rereading and re-listening to Memory Palace, I had a, a, a car accident and a, a concussion. You did? Yeah, when well, was that? Uh, about seven years ago, and I haven't really I know that. credited my memory loss. Yeah, I always had a bad memory, but there are things that have that are much. Names are much worse than they ever were. Uh, and I wonder whether it had to do with that. Well, and then there's the, the aging process yeah. just complicates it. Once yeah. you're over 40, it just, it's, it's kind of, um, yeah. 
Are you yes. saying I'm over 40? No, I'm saying myself <laughs> because you, of course, look 32, oh, but... Um. With the white hair. <laughs> well, you know, the weird thing about fame or having your name known or people paying attention to you is one of the reasons why I got out of the gallery world mm-hmm. was I never liked having an opening and everyone what everyone like coming up to you and chit chatting and 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 I didn't like the attention I didn't like having to do the openings and I thought I'm gonna kind of pursue the writing thing because all you have to do are you know like your 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 work actually is it's in these book in these bookstores mm-hmm. and you don't have to go in public at all boy was I wrong <laughs> What I do miss about the art world was I always lived in, um, and I'm sure I could get this back in some way if, you know, we move from this little town, is um, I really do miss being in an art building and 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 um, looking and, you know, having that kind of dialogue on a regular basis. I didn't uh, know you were a, a gallery visual artist oh. before. Oh, yeah. So, I had And I had a different name because I changed my name because... Mm-hmm. Because of, um, you know, my sister really wanted me to change my name when, because her mother was really getting too, too kind of out of control and she changed her name. So I changed mine and, um, and, oh yeah, I mean, I was like a driven visual artist, nothing at all. Like, I mean, this is illustration, very different. Mm -hmm. I did started out and started out doing very abstract work. Um, and then in, in installations and performance art. And I mean, I had a gallery in New York, was in like avant-garde shows with mm-hmm. Yoko Ono and all these people. I mean, I had like this career, but then I kind of got, I don't know, I just started doing other, well, then I got in my car accident. Mm-hmm. And so I had to sort of reshuffle and rethink what I wanted to do. But oh. all along I was like, all, all along I was writing, but a secret writer mostly. Huh. I didn't start publishing till 97 and just like lyric essays and things like that. Um, 20 years. That's 20 years. Yeah. Jeez. Wow. I saw a piano. Do you still play? Uh, music's been the last thing that's, that's been the hardest to bring back after my injury. I played, oh. I play. Yeah. I mean, I play a violin. I've got harps. I got piano, mm-hmm. you know, um, ukulele. Um, I still play keyboard once in a while but um it's been hardest that's been the hardest thing to come back for some reason it's i'm gonna really need to my goal is to have a little chunk of time in between all these things and maybe go to music camp for about a week or two and just immerse myself in um some kind of music camp to get back and then have a teacher again so it's interesting. I haven't talked to people that much about the trade-offs that we've talked about. It seemed like a lot here, and I, we're finishing up, so I don't want to start a whole nother. But the trade-off of success of any kind is time. Time. Oh, my God. Is you, you, you forfeit time. Yeah. Because success breeds obligations and more things to work on. And getting back to people, it like... Email and social media is just, I mean, I'm only on Facebook and Twitter, but, you know, time is, I just have no time. Yeah. And, um, and the (laughs) irony of it is like, if I don't keep a sketchbook and if I don't, if I don't take time and, and write those and and do word plays and write down my weird little thoughts. And if I don't go to, museums and draw objects and write random thoughts about that then i don't really make good art yeah i think you know um well i was just you know thinking about how how one is raised just really affects how you respond to success and because i have i have a bit of this poverty mentality you know i probably would have gone into film had i not had just been raised so poor Mm-hmm. and very blue collar neighborhood mm-hmm. so back in april i was at a dinner with these fox execs in la and we were just talking about random things and um i just mentioned uh, we were talking about audiobooks and i said i listen to a lot of audiobooks because lately i haven't had time to really read as much as i want because i'm a big reader and i said i asked them if they had ever uh listened to kate winslet's um 
version of Matilda by Roald Dahl. And I just, she was just astounding and hilarious. And, and then um, one of the Fox execs said, um, so who's, do you know who's doing the audiobook? And I said, no, we have to, they have to figure that out. Um, I said, you know, I could audition for it, but I don't want to. I want to get, I want to get mm -hmm. um, some, you know, a, a, a narrator from the UK because of all the accents and everything. And, um, and <laughs> the exec said, well, would you like Kate to do it? I can get you Kate. I can get you anyone. Who do you want? And I said, I was so, it was such an awkward moment because I was, I was, you know, the, the, the girl who grew up, you know, poor in Cleveland right. is thinking, why in the world would anyone do that for me? Are yeah. you joking? I said, oh, thanks. I'll uh, mention it to the audiobook people. And of course I never did. So a month goes by and I get a message from my publisher and this, and uh, a rep who's from the, they, they have a partnership with this audiobook company but the audiobook company kind of calls the shots and they said, okay, you know, we, you know, we'd like to narrow, we got to get going on this. And, you know, they have an idea, they have ideas of who that, you know, they've worked with. And do you have any people that you mm -hmm. you've listened to that you like? And I said, well, I'm sure this would never happen, but I guess I should have mentioned this, that um, Fox <laughs> studios said they could get me, you know, any A-list actor and, and Kate Winslet. And in the meantime, somebody must have sent her a book because she read it and loved it and wanted to do it. Oh of course, God. she, were, you know, she won the, the, the Academy when, while working with Daldry, so I'm sure, you know. So um, I assume they would say, of course not. And I also said, I'm, I'm sure it's like way beyond your budget. And, um, you know, I came up with every excuse right. why no one would want to do it. But then my publisher was like, we have to do this. Oh, my God, I'm over the moon. We have to do this. We have got to get Kate Winslet. She would be incredible. Um, and and um, so this person went, this rep person who's like the go-between be, between my publisher and the audiobook company, um, there was, you know, they basically we started the I started the we started the process, but it was like a month late mm -hmm. and already we're you know, time constrained. So, um, they contacted, fortunately, Kate Winslet's rep, rep by CAA mm -hmm. as is Daldry as at my, and, um, Kate loved the book, wanted to do it, um, was going to charge twice as much, which is normal. Um, but, um, my publisher was like, I'll make up the, we'll make up the difference. We've got to have her. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then, you know, the audiobook people, it was like, it was going to be Kate, Kate's, Winslet's version of the book would be like three weeks late. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't come out on the publishing day. And um, we all thought that would didn't matter because it's Kate Winslet. Right. Like, we'll just do some kind of promotional thing. Um, but in the end, they just didn't want to wait. They really wanted somebody. They wanted that audio because audiobooks don't really do well that, mm -hmm. that well financially anymore. And mm -hmm. it's really, it's a hard sell. So, um, they just turned her down. And so but, but had I no, mentioned had I mentioned this a long time ago, she actually probably could have fit it in her mm -hmm. schedule. And I didn't. And and I didn't realize that what was good for the book was good for the movie, is good for the book, is good for the movie. Yeah. And and so maybe she there's um she might be able to do it when the, she might be able to do it when the movie comes out, but no, um, I've got some yeah. In the meantime, you know, I, 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 I wanted to shoot myself in the foot. Um, but I, I, I decided, okay, well then you should ask for the person you really want. If you can't get an, you know, you can't get Kate Winslet, who do you want? Mm -hmm. And I said, I want Simon Vance. Oh, that's great. And so I got Simon Vance, um, who's just, just terrific. <laughs> but, but that's <clears throat> an example of just, you know, how, the, you know, kind of poverty erodes at your, like why would like I there's always this this element of disbelief mm -hmm. and and all and not trusting anything like I'm just I just think this is this is not going to last right you know right what are the, you know it's just been really right I feel like that's that's a yeah a lot of people struggle with that but right now yeah you're learning to accept that you have a new 
authority and power. And right. you were just talking about after I turned off the recorder, like just accepting little perks is hard, like right. tickets to a Broadway show. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not some, I'm not somebody who's going to take advantage of that. I'm just not. Um, and I'm not like, I demand this, no. but, but when it comes down to the, if you can get some kind of something amazing for your work that you, you want and demand respect, respect for that's, that's, that's different. And, um, yeah, I should have stepped up the, like that was a learn. That was, that was a big learning curve. <laughs> but you did get someone who is, it's hard to imagine yes. anyone doing a better job. He's wonderful. Oh, I'll, he's fantastic. I'll be, I'll be yeah. hyping it in the intro and the outro to this. So. I mean, and, and actually I, yeah, I mean, so I, I mean, I've just been listening to his books for years and, and, um, so I'm, I'm in the end, it worked out really well, but it's, you know, just that whole process was, I felt like a ding dong, you know? <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> on that note, thank you so much. That was a pleasure. I had so much fun. While I know Mira would recommend that you go out and find the Wonderling or the Memory Palace at a local independent bookstore near you. There are also independent bookstores online that you can find to buy either of those titles by going to mirabartok.com. That's M-I-R-A-B-A-R-T-O-K, like the composer, dot com. You can find out anything you want to know about this here podcast by going to 15minutesjamieberger.com. That's 1-5-M-I-N-U-T-E-S-J-A-M-I-E-B-E-R-G-E-R.com. Ed Patnode is the engineer. Christian Kandari wrote the song. Next up is Michael Ian Black. And we'll see you then. Not literally. This is 15 Minutes. I'm Jamie Berger. <laughs>